0: hello you're listening to putting up with aaron michael marsh
1: where he's like no sushi like he thinks sushi is bad because that's how you get worms in your body and you're like okay i'm listening (laughs) but also if the worm eats enough calories i welcome the worm Uh, i'm not against a good worm you know like <laughs> yeah like hey worm can you eat the carbs you know like i would love it <laughs> if you can show me some results how are you yeah, doing sir. i'm wonderful man how are you i mean i'm on the upswing i was in the yeah. downswing for a bit now back on the upswing that's what nice. happens when the seasons change though right
0: oh yeah it's a it's a fucking uh it's a it's a weird thing. are we, are we i'm sorry are we starting yet or yes no we've been taping we... the whole time okay great um, yeah, you know what, uh, depression is, is a lot like COVID, man. There's like a new variant every so often that you're like, Hey, I didn't see that coming.
1: <laughs> you know? like, wow. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And like the odd part of the variants is my reactions are the variants. I respond to the depression in different ways. It seems like every other year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing. And you'll, you'll discover new new things with your depression. You're like, Oh, showering with my clothes on. Oh, that's a new one. Wow. That's okay.
1: (laughs) I felt like a hug the whole time. It was just clinging to me. I felt like it needed me.
0: <laughs> exactly. And the seasonal stuff is just like insane. We, we put up our Christmas tree the other night and, you know, we were sitting there admiring it and she's got to travel this weekend. And and I told her, I, you know, we're sitting there looking at the tree and I go, well, I'm definitely going to have a good cry in front of this tree
1: while you're gone. <laughs> oh no. Uh, <laughs> but I think I was going to ask you, do you think it's positive to put up the Christmas stuff because it is everything is about joy, happiness, the songs are all in major keys. There's not an Elliott Smith Christmas album, you know, like, yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I, I think it I think, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in in uh, in adapting to to new beginnings and new surroundings and all that stuff. Right. And uh, did
1: you have a choice?
0: I mean, yeah, you you don't really you. I mean, life is forever moving forward, right? Yeah. And uh, and that's that's one thing you don't really realize, especially with grief, is you feel like when somebody close to you dies, you feel like the whole world is on pause, and it ain't. No. Uh, the world keeps moving, time <laughs> keeps going on, and so that's a hard thing to even grasp. And so when the holidays come around, you forget that. These people are, you know, people are excited. They are happy. They get to travel, you know, hundreds of miles to be with their family mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And you're like, yeah, well, my whole family's dead. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but my family's not. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. you have to, you have to adapt to these new surroundings, these new things. You have to start new traditions. You have to, mm-hmm. you
1: have to, yeah, you have to. You so you're like, feel like, like every year you're like Kevin McAllister or you're like, right. Just looking out the window. By yourself. <laughs> I'm just setting
0: booby traps. Don't yeah, believe uh, trap a along. new family, you yeah.
1: know? <laughs> 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 oh yeah. That's what you need to do. Keep the burglars in. You're like, you can't yes, get out.
0: exactly. <laughs> you're my stepdad
1: done. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm doing. You filthy animal. <laughs> so I had to, had to finish with the reference on that. Although I wanted to bring that up with you is when I first met you. Yeah. Um, there's some positive notes out there is that Justin Foster through my time working at flappers with him. There was like three comedians where he was like, Hey, um, you have to go and check this guy out when he's up on stage, you know, like dude, exactly. And like, and he was right every time it was like, this guy, like Nate Bargazi here. You don't know who he is, but he's good. It's great. Yeah. Nate's great. Oh dude. Yeah. He did it for that. He did it for like, Oh, you got to watch Tony Baker. You don't know what he's going to do. And then exactly. And then it was Michael Malone. This is the company you keep in my mind. This is it.
0: Wow. That's great. That's yeah. awesome to
1: hear. No, exactly. Oh, and it's like wonderful. And then like I saw Mal- I saw you I was going to call you Malone. that's what we call you behind your back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I- everybody does. I saw it's you the good. first time. <laughs> I'm like working the door and like peeking my head in. You're crushing, you're riffing, great riffing. And then uh Justin was like, "Yo, did you see him?" And I was like, "I did." And he's like, "What would you think?" I was like he bombed, right? Like, <laughs> the. Curve. I was like, he tried real hard. he couldn't get it. He was like, "No, I've never seen that. And I was like, I'm just kidding, he destroyed. It was the best <laughs> Oh
0: that's so great. That
1: but I mean, so like funny. I consider you like one of like the masters of the craft. Oh, and then wow. when I started talking to you, I found out that we both really look up to Vince Morris. you know? Yes, yes. another Vince master is, uh... of the craft.
0: Vince is incredible, man. Um, I so many Vince Morris stories because I, I grew up in Ohio and I came up through the ranks in Ohio and he's an Ohio guy and, and uh, him and Michael Loftus, I would go out of my way to go and, and just watch. Um, they both used to do the Thanksgiving week at, at the Columbus Funny Bone. They would alternate and I would go every year that week and I would watch him multiple times. And, and both of them, every night I saw them, it was a different set. It was incredible. Yeah
1: it's incredible when i first saw him I mean, i first saw him on tv i saw his comedy central presents and i was like this is the guy right and then yeah. all of a sudden you don't see him get a sitcom or any of the other shit And i was like what happened and then all of a sudden i noticed he comes to tucson so i start going and seeing him and he's the first guy i noticed that has emotion and like he does like what an improv they call like um what does they call that where like you have you have work you have something like where you grab oh, stuff right. you're like and it's not like you like grab something like there's emotion to what he's doing that matches every sentence. And I'm like, Oh, he's thought out every sentence and every emotion and what goes with it to bring it in yeah. where you can actually literally like push mute and you're still like able to kind of follow where he's going. And then yeah. I saw him do an open mic, do the same thing and completely obliterate. And I was like, Oh, it's because we suck and he's great. It's not because <laughs> we would have thought if we had 200 people that were waiting for us, we would be able to do well anyways. Like, no, no, no. Look at the skill.
0: No, you know, what's you know, what's so great about Vince is, and you know, what makes him strong is that he strives in the silence. He's not afraid of it. And that's how you become great. That's how you go from good to great is getting comfortable in the silence. Um, That's where the magic happens. That's where you find all the, all the, all the good stuff is in the silence. And Vince is a master at uh, at that. He he's able to sit in it. And um, I've seen him take, you know, 20 second pauses on stage where he'll, he'll literally just be on stage looking up like this and he'll go to the microphone and then he'll pause and then he'll go and then he'll pause and he'll go, no. And then and you're like, the whole crowd is just like waiting to be like, oh my God, feed us, give it to us. You know? yeah. He pauses and he waits and he and then he'll deliver and when he does oh man it's tenfold it's so worth it and and he, yeah he lives in that and that's what that because that's where the good stuff is and he's he's also a guy that will ring out a fucking joke man he you'll see a, a bit of uh, from Vince Morris that will be literally 12 to 15 minutes long and again a uh, filled with a lot of you know thinking and And, you know, uh, and talking about it and and just ringing it out. And then you'll see him a few months later. And that 15 minutes is down to eight. And now that eight's down to six. And it's the tightest six you've ever fucking seen because Mm -hmm. he's he he rang every punchline out of it. He squeezed every ounce of that by just pondering, asking, working. Um, Man, he's 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 really, really good.
1: Yeah. But then I'm going to take that and all that stuff. He helps sharpen your sword.
0: Oh, he watches. He watches your set. And after you get off stage, he'll say, okay, he'll, he'll, the same thing in the green room. He'll, he'll ponder with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, no.
1: Yeah. You yes.
0: do that thing about black coffee. You should try, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, I never thought about that. He, You know what? Here's a great Vince story. And uh, and I, I love telling comics this, this story because it changed my my whole fucking uh, it changed my life. Um, I was working with Vince in, uh, in Indiana, and I was featuring for him. And uh, I used to carry a, a little notebook up on stage with me. I never opened it. I never even looked at it. It was like a little security blanket. I don't know why I had it. I just thought I should have it. And it was like this little notebook. And I used to carry it up on stage, and i put it on the stool, and I would do my thing. And uh, I, I don't know why. Anyway, so I'm doing that every night. And Vince comes to me Saturday night and he says, uh, he goes tonight. I don't want you to take that notebook on stage. I said, Oh, okay, cool. I'll leave it here in the green room. Meanwhile, they're, they're introducing me, right? They're like, yeah. Oh, you've seen this guy on Bob and Tom. Blah, blah. And Vince goes, Oh, one more thing. Uh, don't do any jokes that I've heard you do this week. <laughs> and I said, what now? And he goes, if I hear you do one joke that I've heard this week, I'm going to heckle you from the back of the room. I'll be watching. And now, Michael <laughs> Malone. And I go on stage, literally empty handed, you know, and yeah. I got to do a half hour. And I'm just riffing and talking about ideas that I had, but I never really, you know, brought to stage and all these things. And Vince is in the back of the room, just just watching the whole time. And I got off stage and I felt. Wait, did you do well or did you eat it? There? Incredible. I did really well, did a oh, half perfect. hour of, again, unscripted, like, untouched mm-hmm. things. Um, I felt incredible. Um, it gave me so much confidence. Again, it's about sitting in that silence. You know, there were obviously mm-hmm. moments where you're like, fuck, how am I going to get out of this? But that's good. That panic makes you stronger. And, um so I came off stage and Vince was like, good job tonight. Da, da da And they introduced him and he proceeded to do an hour and a half of things that I had never heard him do before.
1: Mm-hmm. And he
0: was riffing and he was doing this. And I got to sit in the back of the room and watch him unpack like that. It was incredible. And um, I got to pay that forward a few years ago. I was in Seattle playing one of my favorite rooms there. And uh, I'm, I'm working with, uh, with a young comic um, who, I, who I love. And he's, uh, he's MC in the shows and I tell him the Vince Moore story and, and, uh, he's like, oh man, that's great. That's right. And he gets ready to go up. And I go, Hey, by the way, on it's Sunday night, I go, Hey, don't do any jokes I heard this week. And he's like, what? <laughs> 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 and I said, don't do any stuff that you've been doing all week. I want to see all new, you're only doing 10 minutes, right? And he's like, I, I don't know if I can do that. He was like fresh, but he was like really good writer, yeah. but he was really green. And so I was like, just try it. And we purposely did not give him the light and he murdered and he did 16 minutes and we just let him go and go and go. Uh And he came off stage. He was like, I don't even know how long I was up there. And we were like, you did 16 minutes. He's like, Oh my God, I've never done 16 minutes before. And he like had a great, probably one of the best sets he had all weekend and stuff. It was so freeing. It just unshackles you from that robotic set list that you're used to Mm -hmm. it opens up all these creative airways like it is such a good exercise and and i know that's not a new thing bill hicks would do a thing on on sunday nights he would go up and he would do just off the book you know um so that's you know it's not a a new practice by any means but it's one that i think is is kind of been forgotten
1: or uh not as well known as it as it should be dude very much Um, in fact you told me that story years ago. And since then I make sure at least once a week to not touch a thing, go up completely yeah. empty and just go, cause it makes you more present. And yeah. then I got so used to that all of a sudden I was just like, how do I even make my set feel present at this point? It's not as present <laughs> yeah. as when I'm not doing my set, you know, like, and it yeah. became like this whole other thing I have to like, just juggle, but it's what a great exercise.
0: Yeah, it really pushes you those limits. And again, that's how you go from good to great is is challenging yourself. And I mean, and that, mm-hmm. that goes in, in, in every profession, of course, duh, but especially in stand up, because, you know, you are controlling a room for, for however long you're up there, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour or whatever, um, you are in control of that room, you are, you're it, all lights are on mm-hmm. you, all eyes are on you, literally. So, make it entertaining. I mean, the most valuable thing you're taking the most valuable thing from these people and that's their time. Mm-hmm. So you better be fucking worth it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And to keep putting you on a higher and higher pedestal as the interview goes on. So you sharpened <laughs> your tool to this level to where you're doing all these things. And then yeah. you have a stretch of a really sad couple of years, yeah. you know? And I saw this and was like, Malone's already a monster. And he's going to turn this. I mean, because it's like it's really like you get a bunch of shit and like you're almost like forced to be like, OK, this is now my clay and I have to work through this through my art. But I also knew that that was going to just ring true and help out so many people on the other side. I was like, he's about to have a renaissance. <laughs> and and I feel like you did. Yeah, I wish I
0: would have seen it uh, like that
1: <laughs> in the beginning. How could you at the time? No one, yeah. no one gets the news that they lost their mom and goes, my renaissance is on the corner. My- you have to go through your
0: morning. This is going to be a creative breakthrough.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. No, you definitely were like, no, I need to mourn this. This is the saddest thing of my life. You're like, it is the saddest yeah. thing of your life. But I mean, I'm not to not to, hit that over the head, but I know that that is losing a parent no. to me. is like, there's nothing worse that happens to you
0: yeah yeah it is um and especially at that age um you know I was 30 32 when I lost my mother and I was 31 when uh, I lost my stepfather and and um you know I've, death is is no stranger I, I can tell you that I lost my father when I was 12 and since then and then after that it was shortly after that my grandfather my uncle like all of these these things just like, yeah, I've, I joke around. I've been to over 15 funerals in the last five years <laughs> and only two weddings. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, both of those weddings were for the same friend. Uh, <laughs> so, what a scumbag. <laughs> That's
1: funny.
0: So, yeah, so it's, you know, um, at the time, though, I, I didn't can I guess really... is it Ken? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I didn't get invited to Ken's weddings, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I love Ken. Ken's great. Uh, But I, uh, at the time, I didn't know what to do with that. Um, Of course, you know, you just, you know, I was doing, um, uh, I was doing 46 weeks a year on the road, um, which was just insane because I I came up in a time and, and a place where you were, you know, your, you were, your status was kind of, uh, measured by how how much you're working, mm-hmm. you know, you get you get a guy like Loftus or or Vince, and they're working forty weeks a year, and you're like, I want that, and then you work forty weeks a year on the road, and you're like, this is a lot, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and you, you know, and you, you, you get kind of looked at um, from other comics at the time. You know, you get, oh, he's a road dog. Or he's, you know, he just does this or that. He's not, you know. And I didn't, I didn't realize that could be a, a bad thing because, again, when when I came up and where I came up, again, you you were measured by by how many weeks you were working, and then you come. But out it's also LA it's nuts. Not- kind of reversed,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's just because LA is a backward city where they're like, oh, no, no. If you're on the road that much, that means you're not on TV. And you're like, right. so what? Isn't the point of TV to go on the road? Like, what are we doing? Right. <laughs> Figure out right. which one you're actually going down. Are you yes. in stand-up to become some B actor that's like in the back of a sitcom that gets three lines every day? Or are you doing this because you want to do stand-up? Which... Yeah. And no matter which road they don't choose, because I talked to my dad about this. You don't get the career you want. You get the career options you're asked if you want to do yeah and so it's like that's that's, oh exactly it's just like any job you're like how'd you get this job well i applied for like 80 of them and then three of them offered and then that one offered the most and so that's where i went it's not like yeah yeah nobody's like joins anything like that and so i I think it's whatever decision you make ready yeah oh yeah stay ready is one of my my slogans but it's like whatever decision they make they're gonna comment on the other side just for any other reason than to have conversation
0: yeah. 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 And I struggled with that for a few years. Again, like trying to fit in here in L.A. where guys were, you know, literally, you know, hanging out at the improv every night and, and doing this and that to get, you know, maybe five minutes a month. And I was like, or I could be working and making money and actually getting time. And I don't know. It was it was something I struggled with for a long time um, is fitting in, you know,
1: um, especially in the L.A. scene um
0: and i I would say most
1: national headliners i see move to la do have that struggle when they get here but also behind your back everyone's just jealous because they want the work of being stand-up like (laughs) you're a real stand-up comedian i'm kind of the fake one you know like
0: right yeah it's it's a weird thing you know because i don't um you know i show up you know, at, at the Hollywood improv, uh, you know, I got to sign up like everybody else. And then you, you go out on the road and you're fucking there's, you know, a line of people waiting to see you and all this stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. such a weird contrast to be like, yeah, I'm not, you know. Um, Anyway, so uh, when Wayne passed, my stepfather, I was I was working a bunch and uh, I took 11 days off and spent that time with my mother and then I hit the road again you know I had to to be in fucking North Carolina that weekend and um what I was doing was I was doing jokes about Wayne in like like as if he was still with us like in present tense yeah and I felt dirty and I felt like I was I was lying to the audience and I I don't know I just I just felt like like shame like guilt you know yeah. And uh, sa- Saturday night I switched it up for both shows and the first show I did, I talked about Wayne passing recently and I did a couple little jokes about him passing and, and, um and I had, I had people come up to me afterwards and they started sharing their story with me. Oh, we just lost my brother, you know, this mm-hmm. or that. And, and I was like, Oh, well, this is a new thing. You know, this was more than just, you were funny. Yeah. Um. And so it was it was it was weird, but I still I wasn't sure about how to go about it. And so I was doing like dark little jokes about Wayne here and there, but not a lot. And then a year later, we we lost my mother and and uh, I was on autopilot for a while. And then yeah, I can't I started, imagine the world not stopping a little bit for you. Yeah. And even when I was performing it, I was just miserable up there. And I talk about it. In my my special laugh after death towards the end there, I, I talk about like, Available on Amazon Prime. uh, Yeah. (laughs) How how I how I hated the audience, how I hated them. Yeah. You know, I was mad at them. Um, you know, they were out having a good time and 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 you know, they didn't have a care in the world and they're enjoying this night, and I'm just fucking broken and I had to Mm -hmm. just keep going. And I didn't, you know, I, I don't know. And so um I was on autopilot for a little while and then I started talking about it and opening up about it more, but even then I wasn't talking about it all the time because Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to but the times that I were uh, that I was talking about it man again the connection that I was getting was way different than anything I had ever had before and I'd been doing comedy since I was 19 and this was a whole different thing this was I talk about killing versus connect versus connecting a lot and and that's what it was like you know, I joke around about, about Leo Flowers giving me that advice about connecting versus killing. And he, he goes, Open mics can kill. And he's like, anybody yeah. can kill. It's about connecting with your audience. And that's what I started to do. And I didn't realize the difference until I started opening up about that stuff. And I had again people coming up after the show. We just lost our mother, we just lost our cousin, mm-hmm. my brother, my you know, my husband, this and that. And people were hugging me and grown men were crying on my shoulder and it was like this whole different level of connection rather than just like hey man you were real funny tonight (laughs) it was like (laughs) then that became almost like oh i don't give a fuck about that i don't it it became almost obsolete like i don't care about being funny anymore you know in a a weird way it was like oh i'm not worried about that anymore that that validation of that you chase for so long about like how many laughs per minute are you getting? Are you killing? Are you crushing? Are, like, I don't give a fuck about that anymore. I want to connect. I want to see if I can move this audience, if I can tap into those emotions, if I can relate on a human fucking level and not just that guy made me laugh a little bit.
1: And yeah, I mean, no, for that's sure. been the big difference that's come out of this. I know I noticed. And I'd so I'm like, Oh, it happened. <laughs> <The Renaissance. laughs> like when i saw yeah, you in vegas i was like so right. excited of like what are we gonna get out of him it could be anything and then I got a story about how you had to pee really bad. And I, I was like, yes, I've also
0: had to pee really bad. Yeah, it's so it's so weird because the, the new hour, like I, I've been, you know, there's this big story about the amusement park in the beginning. Yeah. And uh, and that story is in there about about my girlfriend. And I have to pee in the car before we go in and stuff. But then the last half of that hour is all about mental health and suicide mm-hmm. and, and all this, you know, darker things. And my grandmother on hospice and all this crazy stuff. And so when I first started doing this, this new hour, Hour back in August, I had <laughs> I had such a mixed reaction of people after shows. As far as God, I was in I was in Arizona playing the House of Comedy, which I love, and and uh, I would I had a line of people who were buying books after the show, and literally the first person in the line was like that stuff you said about suicide was really touching. And, you know, we'd love for you to come down and talk to this. Um, we have, we have a meetup every Thursday and I was like, Oh, that'd be great. And then the next person in line is like my buddy and I had to pee so bad. We were in the back of the truck. (laughs) And he pissed all over himself because we were driving. And then the next person in the line is like, my brother just, um, we lost my brother to suicide. And, we, and we, I'm like, oh, you know, and, and having that moment, the next person in line, when my wife was pregnant, she pissed all day. <laughs> so it was just weird mixed bag of like, so I remember calling Jess, my girlfriend at the time, you know, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know about this new hour. (laughs) Then the things that people are taking, yeah, people are taking away some really odd things.
1: That's funny. What I took out of it as a comic was I was like, I watched you stay on one topic for 20 minutes. And so like, I'm just like, oh my God, there's more. Oh, geez. (laughs) He hasn't even peed yet. I wouldn't even hold my pee this long in real life. As long as he's telling the story about this, this is incredible.
0: <laughs> it's so funny. I was in Dallas a couple weekends ago with, with Foster, and and the the manager comes in to get our our minutes, you know, and he's like, you know, when when do you want a light? And Foster's like, you know, give me two minutes. And The MC's like, give me a two minute. And I go, mm-hmm. can I get a can I get a half hour light? <laughs> he goes. He goes. Wait a minute. You want you want a half hour like like to close and I go yeah and he goes you have a half hour closer I go yeah <laughs> <he> goes, okay <laughs> I
1: was like hey man that's
0: what I got so just let me know
1: <laughs> that's very Cosby-esque on the right side of Cosby-esque you know <laughs> <Right>. like
0: <laughs> yeah it's a bizarre thing man I'm doing uh, you know in the new hour I'm doing three stories which is just like
1: fucking unreal um
0: it is unreal i mean can you name an
1: album that it would only have three tracks on the back a comedy album that
0: oh man it would have to be a berbiglia or a titus right like it would have yeah i can't, <laughs> I can't think titus of anybody else it would both
1: just be one track even though it's two sides
0: <laughs> titus has a great um 25 minute story about meeting um uh oh god um, the edge n- uh, n- oh yeah yeah and um what's his, his name? Bruce about the fuck yeah yeah, and it's called it's it's called Bruce who and it's on YouTube <laughs> and it's incredible and,
1: and it's, again it's it, one of my it is five. that
0: it, it is where you're like this is he's still talking about meeting Bruce <laughs> Br- and, and, and you don't even realize it until you're like 15 20 minutes in and you're like we're we, we still talking about meeting Bruce, Bruce? <laughs> it's incredible uh yeah he's, really amazing I, I love 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 Titus I recently just went back and watched um, uh, Norman Rockwell is bleeding uh, last yeah. week talk about like a groundbreaking comedian who came out of like, you're talking about when that came out, it's the peak of Jerry Seinfeld. It's the uh-huh. peak of like, what's the deal with instant coffee? Do you wait? For <laughs> it? Do you? And then Titus comes out just swinging in the fucking dark with my mother's crazy. She's in an insane asylum. My dad's an alcoholic she killed herself like all this fucking wild shit um, in the peak of what's the deal with that. I yeah. Mean, talk about a juggernaut, dude. Like, I know I think about this pilot stuff. of all,
1: all the time. Where uh, like, uh, uh, if, you get, if you guys don't know, his TV pilot is the whole family. The dad's asleep and they don't know if he's dead or not, but they're so afraid to wake him up that they're arguing over who needs to wake him up because he's an alcoholic and he's abusive like No, You go do it. You go do it. And that's the entire episode. And then it ends with the dad just getting up and leaving the room. Like he like was waking up from sleep.
0: The episode is called dad's dead. And (laughs) the balls that you have to have to pitch a sitcom where you go, you know, the pilot's called dad's dead. Again, in the peak of Malcolm in the middle and fucking Seinfeld Mm -hmm. and all these happy, cheery fucking things. You have this this dark little rose that is, you know, Christopher Titus coming through. Oh yeah, and, and just I discovered delivering. him at midnight. And uh, they, they it at midnight. and it's it, 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 it's so
1: well written and it's so good. Oh, he's he's the greatest. I I really look up to him. Yeah. I mean, that's constantly my every year. I'm like my goal this year is to write a longer bit than I've ever written. And it seems like I'm still at two two and a half minutes. And you're just like, no, no, no. I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna learn how to get a <laughs> seven minute, a ten minute bit. I'm gonna
0: do it. Well, I was, you know, I, I shared this on Facebook and I, I know you saw it and I think you shared it even, but I was talking I I with this, by it. Yeah, I was talking to this comic in in Phoenix, and um, you know, we were working together and she's great. And she she had said, um, uh, she was, I want to do what, what you're doing. I want to do what you and Bigley and all these guys are doing. Like, I want to get into into big stories. And I thought about it, and I, you know, I put it in the post, like I'd never been a story guy before. I was always, you know, real fast, real quick. Boom, 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 boom. Um, I would, you know, go, I would call it tornado mode when I would do showcases, <laughs> you know, they're like, you got seven minutes. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to fuck shit up while I'm up. You know, I would just, <laughs> wham, 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 just the highest energy. And, um, and so um, what I learned though, f- Building these stories, you get overwhelmed by the idea of like, oh, I got to I got to tell this big story about the time I, you know, I went to the laundromat and it's like, well, it's not about that. That big fuck off story is really just a bunch of little jokes put together. So mm-hmm. all the jokes you have about laundromats, all the jokes you have about even dating could go in there or, you know, uh, coins, anything you have, anything related in the field, like you just spider web it and all of the stuff that you, all these little jokes that you have can now fit under that umbrella. Um, and the, and the example that I use is the, is the opening joke on my, on my special, um, is all about just trying to buy some rolling papers in Seattle and witnessing a robbery while we're doing it, which is a, <laughs> A true story. And um, but under that umbrella, I was able to fit in all of my weed jokes, all of my how many years I've been sober jokes, like all of that stuff fit under that umbrella because that story is about buying rolling papers. So now it yeah. takes that eight minute story into, you know, a 12 or 14 minute story um and so you 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 know we we tend to get overwhelmed by this idea of like oh i have to write this big thing no you don't you have to write a bunch of little funny things yeah make up this big thing um so i i don't don't think a lot of people know that
1: no and i'm kind of getting to that that. point (laughs) because i probably have seven or eight minutes on just ross dress for less jokes because i just every time i go there i make fun of right and you're like, oh, if I just run this into a story of me going into Ross Dress for Less and experiencing these jokes, all of a sudden this becomes, this guy happens to be really funny instead of this guy sitting here just throwing jokes at the wall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's about, I mean, you know, it's not for everybody. And, you know, um, everybody has their own. No, thing. everyone. I, mean, I, I wouldn't
1: suggest this to like a Jay London. <laughs> where it's like You
0: need to be doing story jokes.
1: <laughs> and... No. I heard a quote that every comedian is doing exactly what they learned how to do the best. That's it. Yeah. Whatever road worked for them is the one they took. And I, and not there, none of them are the same. That's the whole point. No, it's no. the best part. Yeah. Um, before we yeah. go. Cause we're, all, we're almost done here. Sure. I'm not going to have you on in December and have you not plug your Christmas movie. That would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's a uh, speaking of dark little uh, comedies. Uh, if if you if you enjoy that sort of thing, I, I have a filthy little uh, Christmas movie up on Amazon Prime called Bethlehem. Um, we got very lucky with it. We we think I think we won sixteen awards and nominations for it, including best dark comedy and and all that fun stuff. So if you like dark little jokes and you you like uh, dysfunctional families and all that kind of shit, and not your You know, I I used to joke, this isn't your grandma's Christmas movie. This is a.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but we also always watch the same 10 Christmas movies. If you want to throw in a a different one and try to discover a new one. Bethlehem.
0: Right. Yeah, it's called Bethlehem and it's up on Amazon Prime. And I think it's I think it's up there for free. Um, So.
1: Go check it out. Oh Jesus. If it's up there for free, it's my Christmas gift to you. Um I can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. You're Thank one you. of the best. I, I want you guys it. to go check out Thank Mike you. Malone's Everything.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Mike Malone. I I almost don't even know what to promote of his first. There's Laugh After Death, his Amazon Prime comedy special, One Hour. Awesome. He has a book, Space spacing the Name of It, right now. There's a cloud crying on it that's about getting over grief. He has that Christmas movie, Bethlehem. He has his own podcast. He also has... um, Oh, he's got an Amazon Prime stand-up special coming out soon where it's him presenting other comedians that he thinks are just not as represented as their skill set called monsters and so for instance it's got a guy named ken gar on it that we referenced in the episode ken gar has been a professional comedian for as long as i've known him which is almost a decade now and he's a great comedian and unsung hero you know like so just those kinds of oh Ricardo Flanagan? We didn't even talk about him. Ricardo Flanagan is a comic who passed away since the taping, and he's on that, and his, you know, how great. You get this great set from him, and you're able to watch that, and you're able to celebrate that, and you're able to share that, you know, after his life. And so just so much. Mike Malone, somebody has called me prolific for keeping this podcast going and still doing stand-up, and Having all the things that I do going, I feel like it's just but a candle to what Mike Malone does. I feel like he's the most epic, prolific comedian I don't, that I know, that you don't know. And so follow Mike Malone. Absolutely. Mike Malone is a great comedian. In fact, I'm even going to call this episode Unsung Heroes, not just because he's one of my unsung heroes, but because we talked about ours. You know, Vince Morris being such a great comedian. Or even Chris Titus, who had his own show, he's just not. I still feel like his level of ability and skill in comedy is just so much more than what he's received back from it. I consider him an unsung hero just because I feel like even though he's famous, he's not as famous as I believe he should be. You guys know what that's like. you I'm sure we all have bands that we love when we go see them, they're like, Yes, they're playing for six hundred people, but this band should be playing for six million people. Like, are you kidding me? You know, like you're like how is this not how are they not doing a stadium by now? Which it also seems like this far in my life. Most bands I feel that way about or comedians get there. You know, like that's the other part is like it just takes people time to find them. But people do recognize greatness when they see greatness And Mike Malone's greatness. Mike, thank you for doing this episode. And I, again, don't know what's next. I don't know who's on next week. Um, Oh, you guys may notice there's more me in the mic. There's more, uh, there's more guitar playing on this. Uh, I've... Completely switched over to me playing guitar, doing the soundtrack for the rest of the podcast. I no longer have anyone else playing any instruments on the thing. It's all me, 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 me. I'm now recording, editing, playing the in-between music. This is a 100% me thing with the exception, of course, of the voiceover in the front, which is not me. Which is a voiceover legend, uh, Rob Paulson, who I love. I'm going through his things. You know, from Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, he's doing the voice. Outside of his voice at the very beginning, it's a very me, me, me show. You're putting up a me fuller. You're more me. Uh, So uh, I've recorded a bunch of music. I've put up what I have currently as the soundtrack so you guys could. I've already had it up for a couple days, and my brother already told me that my nephew loves hearing me play guitar. Super cool. had no idea that was going to be on the other side of that. Love it. Love it. Jimmy, thank Logan. Absolutely. Um, some some little shout-outs there. So if anybody else enjoys that, it's there. If you don't, it's it's two minutes. You can get past it. You don't have to listen to it. Um, I will keep recording other things to throw in there until I find something that just really, really feels right. I really like the way the intro music feels. I feel like that feels right. The middle I'm still working on. And the end, I'm still 25% on. But I do like the way it fits. So that's what's going on. With the music, no one needed to hear me explain that, but I'm explaining it. I'm going to keep doing it because I also just really love playing and I spent most of the pandemic just getting better at guitar. Uh, I know I was good before the pandemic, but I was also like, ah, let's work on just being the guitar player you always wanted to be. And I feel like I've gotten there and I really love it. Um, yeah, that's what's happening over here. Christmas stuff is kind of in full swing. I, uh, I'm both happy and sad about that. You know, like I love the way people get so excited over Christmas stuff. I, uh, yeah, I just don't know. I just don't know what the season's going to be like. Uh, Next year already feels like a complete blur as to what the plans are. I don't, I haven't set goals for next year. And that's what I think I'm doing right now with this confusing me. I need to set those goals. I do every year. And I normally meet about 80% of those goals. And I always beat myself up for the 20% I didn't reach. But now that I'm. I'm going to be turning 40 next month. I'm like, no, but look at that. But that means every year you're reaching 80% of your goals. 80% of my goals every year is really good. So I, that's what I'm missing. That's as I can't believe I hit that so fast on the head. I need to set goals for next year. It's time to set them guys. Maybe next week when I do this, I'll have some goals. I should verbalize them on the end of this, uh, on the end of one of these episodes so I have it in writing, so you guys can see like as I hit some of these goals. It's gonna be great. Um, thank you, thank you again, thank you every week for listening, and thank you every week for a rate, reviewing, and subscribing. I know you guys are like, no, I don't do it every week. I only have to do that once. That's true, but if anyone new is listening and they haven't done that, do it. I love it. Um, and yeah, thank you for putting up with me. You guys put up with me a lot. Mm-hmm.